So um, we are back together again for podcast number 16 uh, of Hoarding Stuff, or Hoarding Stuff, depending on how you look at it. And I'm here with Dave, but mm. I'm also here with Janice Connolly, who has agreed to join us in our Hoarding Waffle tonight, and is going to talk to us about the fantastic play that she developed called Stuff, and um, that I contacted her for and said, I don't know if you can help me, but I'd, I I'd met her recently and I said, I just thought that you might be able to put a good slant on um, this world of hoarding. And so, uh, so welcome Janice. And um, yeah, so if you tell us, tell us your side of the story, because that was my bit. So yeah. I just it out to like you. Good, like I'm gonna, like all good things really it started off with somebody making a connection which is you making a connection I think that you probably had thought about it before but I think it probably crystallized when we were doing that um Christmas show for um oh what's the name of the, of the oh it's um uh bold text yeah yes and, and they did a they did a what was it a they got it was just after Christmas, wasn't it? And so they got people to bring their unwanted Christmas presents. Yeah, and, and then, then I at the end did a kind of an interactive thing with saying to people, come up and get what you want. And I think a, a kind of a light bulb went on in your mind that there was a place in theatre in an interactive way, possibly, where the subject of hoarding and having too much stuff or bringing your stuff and not going away with more than you brought. Mm could come into it no that's true because there were unbeknownst to you but known to me there were two people in the audience at least the ones I knew of yeah who, who had hoarding issues and one of them came up to me first of all and said I resisted that I resisted all of it and I said oh well done that was fantastic and the other guy came up to me and said he'd heard um he'd heard the first one and he went yeah me head I resisted it all as well. Well, except for the mango body butter. <laughs> what kind of thing did people bring? What did that's they... such a brilliant line, isn't it? Except for the mango body butter, brilliant. What did they bring? What kind of things were there? I don't want Christmas presents, really. So, uh, mango body butter. Yeah. Perhaps, I don't know, socks or... They were just, they were just, it was not, there wasn't, it wasn't rubbish, was it? They were good yeah. things, but you made people tell you why they needed them until you got to the very end and it was just taking too long and we needed to go to the bar. And That's so true. it was like, right, come on, quick, quick now. Get what you want. Because yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It a, like a, a, a shower gel set. I remember you saying, you, you there, you need this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so I think so Heather put two and two together and thought there's something in this. Yeah. And uh, she was right. So mm -hmm. what we did was we went and did loads and loads of research because that's what we wanted to do. So we went and talked to people who are attending. I think the first group that we went to was the one in the fire station. Yes, that's right in Sully Hill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was very moved really by people's stories and how serious an issue it is and very taken by the sort of tabloid treatments of the subject matter and how there was a deep shame I felt that mm. people were very much ashamed 
Um, it's strange because I think that those programs are still sort of they're out there on the telly still at the moment proliferating. You know, every now and again I'll be flipping through and one of them will turn up. Um, buried in stuff, I think. It's buried one. in treasure. Buried no, that's in the treasure book. I think in... that's the book. But the the TV series do tend to. Be oh no, buried alive. Buried that's alive. Yeah, buried yeah, alive. yeah. That that's more kind of uh, of a oh I don't know nail down the the blackboard kind of name, isn't it? Really, you know. It's, no, uh, it's all that shock tactics stuff. Even if the programs themselves may have compassion and be interested in the deeply complex nature of of the condition. I tend to um, find they haven't. <laughs> uh, yeah. They tell their 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 producers tell you and their researchers tell you that that they're going to help you and give you lots of lots of um, support and backup. But really, what I learned from the TV was really they just it's an entertainment program. And yeah. They'll they'll cover it you know the way they need to. But but the bottom line is because if you like the, the, I did two lots of programs with the BBC and. The second series, I said, oh, can we like get the people from the first series and then can we get them to do, you know, the, the coaching and no. That sounds good. No. Yeah, no, because that's too good an idea. That's we, want too new, nice. we want new shock horror, so. Yeah, that's, that might end up with making things better and we don't want that. Mm. They, they want people to be sort of judgmental about things. Yeah, and to say, oh, at least we're not as bad as them. Yeah, that's true. True, and then the titles they come up. I, there was a company that that tried to get me to to do something with them, and I looked at their website, and it was uh, famous serial calling uh, serial killer dogs at weddings that have gone wrong. Yeah, right, it's that kind of level of what yeah, in depth research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So we started off there, and I knew from that meeting that it was going to be a very interesting journey. Mm. It was great working with Heather and the connections and the, the groups that she knew and who trusted. I think trust is really important in this, in all scenarios actually, but particularly important in this one. Um, and then we decided to work, I think maybe we'd already decided to work with a puppeteer because it was about objects and, and we wanted to make it artistic. So, and I'd met Michael Crouch before, so we did some research together we talked a lot and we started playing around with the ideas and looking at the objects, having a life of their own and mm. being her friends, her companions. The end was always difficult. I, I, I think the, I still don't think we've got the end sorted out. And I think that's because it's such a complicated scenario. The whole thing is, doesn't end. I don't think it does end. It may be no, I like think, I felt you got it right. Uh, I think you got it right because I think I think the reason why you found it difficult to come up with an ending is because it didn't fit right. Because mm. then you're suddenly going to go da da, which is a bit like the television that. programs. Yeah, and it mm. off, it very most it doesn't happen like that. Doesn't happen like that. not da da. I think what it was where we sat with it a little bit was her beginning to realize that she was what was the matter with her why was this happening um looking for help really so sometimes theater isn't about providing answers is it it's about yeah. asking yeah. questions and 
and That's opening true. a debate up. Um, yeah. And we did have brilliant debates and it sold out before we before we mm. did it. Yeah. Mm. So the rep were going, we can't believe it, you know, it was the fastest selling show ever, you know. Performances, oh, wow. six performances and they all sold out. Yeah, so the staff couldn't get, you know, people at the rep who were, you know, got a personal interest in the subject matter couldn't go. Uh, we should really do it again. And they said they well, would. Well, you were going to, weren't you? You were going to do it again and then COVID hit. So. so it's still got definitely a subject that people are absolutely and, I'm curious, though, if, if it's sold out, why do you think it's sold out? Because it's so common. Yeah. People were coming with their parents, with their partners, um, with their children, um, with their mates. Yeah. Because I think people are just really hoping that something will press a button and help. And it, it wasn't a theatre audience, really, was it? It no. was an audience of people that were coming because of the subject matter. Yeah. So, I mean, there might have been a, a couple of a couple of theatre goes, but really, because what, what happened was the first act is the play, mm. and then there was a break. And usually at that point, everybody runs away and you go, well, you come back and we're going to do a Q&A and that sort of act two type thing. Um, and I must admit the first time I thought, oh, there'll be a few that just, no, mm. <laughs> they all came back. They did. And it I was did really say, amazing, wasn't it? Uh, I did say to the director, the rep, because they didn't want to do the discussion really. And I said, oh, we have to have that. And they were saying, well, nobody will come back. I said, they will. Trust me, they'll come yeah. back. And those discussions were really helpful because people were passing around tips. Mm. Um, there was a, one of the things that struck me was a, a woman with an autistic child who was collecting a lot, keeping a lot, and people giving tips trying to nip things in the burdens, you know, all that kind of stuff, really, and kind and non-judgmental. And um, it's just really good to take a lid off that subject and just to talk about it publicly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was fabulous. All, we're all part of it. We're all playing, mm. we're all part of it. We all know what it is. It's just that for some of us, it's got out of control, but we all know what it's like I think so you, your background is comedy it's not maybe really. isn't it, it isn't my it? background really is theatre teaching theatre social teaching theatre yeah I mean, like the old theatre and education well that's what we started to do but I trained as a teacher and then uh -huh. I worked at Bernardo's for um about eight years uh -huh. and then we started women in theatre and I've been doing pub theatre so right. I've always done performance on the side but my background, I suppose, is social care and mm. things like that. So, and then, it, so this is a good combination of my interest in performance and right. theatre, and my interest in sort of education for everybody and um, yeah, care, a better yeah. way of life for everybody. And then comedy sort of started about. 20 years ago but I have been I've been doing women in theatre for nearly 40 years so wow that's a long time it is a long time so yeah. um comedy's a, a, a sort of a, a more of a sort of a young kid on the block even though mm. it is about 20 odd years old did you use it in the play or very much so I, I think it will hope it was funny trying we try mm -hmm. and do humor all the time there was a bloke I don't know whether you can remember whether 
when we first went to the the, the group at the uh, in Soli Hill, and this fellow was saying, "Oh, I can't quite remember." He'd got a, he's got a lot. He'd got a garage connected to his flat, yes. and his car was in it. And what happened was, did everybody clear? He cleared it all. No, out. what happened was he. Yes, he's, he's got his his. So his flat is is uh, belongs to the local council, and he'd also rented a garage, and they were both full. So he didn't have his car in the garage. His, his garage was full of stuff. Right. And so he knew that he was going to have an inspection. So he'd really made a massive effort and he'd emptied his garage. And so when they came around, he was stood there really, really smug going, yeah, do your worst, do your worst. And they opened the garage door. Somebody had flighted a load of tires oh, no. into his garage. And he said, he said, I did see the irony of it. And luckily they properly believed that it wasn't my stuff because they'd seen it before but he said of all the garages in all the world they had to pick mine that's right so it's laughing it's that lovely laughing that can happen as well and I think it's very I think it people love to be able to laugh I don't know it's a very serious subject as well don't get me it's, wrong it's a tricky but one you asked it? people didn't you Janice you said do you mind you know no not do you yeah, mind you said, right. how do you feel about using yeah I did love? say that would well, yeah, you mind if we, if we we have some laughs or this right humor mm. but they, they all, but they all agreed that that was probably the best medium for actually mm. getting people to understand and 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 accept it and be able to deal with it because I think it does take it just takes the edge off it. It's a lot more human as an approach, isn't it? Really, of course it is. But I did I did ask first of all because I think it's very delicate. There's there's a classic bit in it when she's trying to throw things away, but she keeps in a use for them. That's very funny actually. Um, I could do that with that, and I keep that, you know, and I'm going to. In a bit, I'll make a dinner service and I'll be a potter. I've got all this stuff in here and I'm going to make my own pottery serve, you know, mm. all this stuff. And I think quite a lot of artists, we got so much feedback actually from people I knew saying, you've really helped me. I'm going to get rid of all the, the craft stuff that I've got. And it's sad then, isn't it? But anyway, that mm. I've got, because I know I'm not going to use it. One person said she'd been saving bottle tops to make a bottle top skirt, but she might do it, that's the thing. Mm. And actually over lockdown, I have found that I did have time to do some of the projects I'd been storing up and I was able to mend things. I think we're not idiots. We're waiting for, we've got enough time mm. to do this stuff. And I think, you know, we're natural savers or we can see the potential in something. So I've got a lot of respect for people that keep things. There's some, as you say, some creative things going Absolutely. on. It was, it was fascinating when uh, I met Heather at the conference that I met her at, because there was the American specialist, whose name always yeah. amuses me, Randy O'Frost. <laughs> um, honestly, is that, and he's such a lovely guy, but he's huge, isn't he? <laughs> he's like name. six foot six, he's really massive. And uh, and one of the things he came up with was he didn't see how you would use something like, um, funnily enough, uh, bottle caps, what you would use them for. And I'm just sitting there going, mm, I think I can think of that. Of course, eight, he's eight got no imagination. That's what different I projects that you can do, you know. And then you do start to wonder whether um, some people don't have an imagination. That's right. Well, my character, Helen, she was quite dismissive of some people going oh they're all stupid you know because I can see this and I can do that that kind of 
it was based on a, com a combination of people I'd come across, but that kind of, she was quite sure of herself, really. Mm -hmm. With a deep, sad, at, at the heart of it, a, um, a sadness of loss of grief, actually, that hadn't been sorted out. But sort of a bit dismissive of other people. What they well, were. But it, it's true because I, I use David. So I've got a picture of David sitting in his living room that I use in my training course. And I, I get to it when I'm talking about the definition for hoarding and how it started in 2013 in America. And, and then the World Health Organization said they were going to adopt it. And, um, and Dave sat in his living room and it said, uh, hopefully we will now no longer be classified as lazy idiots. Exactly. Although I do have to stand up for lazy idiots because I I am a lazy idiot. So. <laughs> you, know, you know, hey, come on now. What's wrong with being a lazy idiot? It, it's it's a life choice. Come on. <laughs> Don't say that. You're not allowed to say it's a lifestyle choice. That's oh, the right. other banned sentence in training. Oh, 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 oh. Not allowed to say lifestyle choice. Oh, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. But that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because some people might go, yeah, I do actually prefer it like this. I, I heard something on the on the radio that was said that um, because the, because you've had all this minimalist thing with whatever mm. it was, actually the next um, trend for homes is going to be busy. Lots of stuff in them. Yes, there's a movement. What's it there's called? A movement, yeah. Um, Oh, like Victorian it's, it's not extremism, but it's something like excessivism or something like that. Something yeah. coming back. It's coming back. Yeah. If you, if you if you look on Pinterest, it's now a thing, and on Instagram, they've got all these overly busy rooms. So oh. yeah, you're right. You're right. But literally, hang in, there. Hang in there, Dave. You'll be. That's you'll what be. the Victorians did. Literally, they just yeah, had loads everything. of everything. I think. I think it's up to us. How we how we live, and it, when it's a problem is when we we don't like it anymore. Yeah, or we're yeah. Not, yes. that, and that that's absolutely in the way yeah. of our lives. So we that's don't absolutely want to come round, and we can't and we can't have a proper sleep, and all those things. That's it. It's well, I do I do have to confess that at the moment my my bed's been taken over by a robot arm. A robot uh, arm. A robot arm. <laughs> and but how long is that going to be there? Well, I don't know, because it's been there for quite a while and I've been sleeping on the sofa, because the robot arm, every time I go to move it, it gives me the finger. <laughs> All right, it's not moving. All right. Just, I'm just going to have to... <laughs> You're going to have to give it a talking to. There's no... It's like dealing with the Terminator. There's no two ways about it. You'll have to show it who's boss. No. Pull it every, time, every time I go into the room, I hear, come with me if you want to live. From this... <laughs> I'm not messing with that. No, I, I do don't mess with it. that. It's that fun that that kind of if you, what you're talking about there reminds me of the kind of thing we have with the puppeteer kind of stuff where objects have got little personalities of their own. And oh, they were they were fabulous. Honestly, they were all they were they, they were they were all different voices, you know, and they were all different things, and they all spoke from their own perspective of you know and I, I did think I did wonder if we could do some work with if I could do some work with people mm. getting them to talk talk to me from the perspective of their collection of teapots yeah you know, and how they yeah. saw themselves as in what their real purpose was in that person's life 
That's right. I haven't yeah. done it actually. Oh, I, I think just, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, great, wouldn't it? There's yeah, a hypnosis exercise that's like that. There's this hypnosis exercise where you imagine the thing that's causing you problems or challenges and you get that thing to tell you what it is that it achieves, like you're saying, with the, the stuff. So would you be the the expert that that talks to the stuffamals? You'd be <laughs> Dr. Stuff a little. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I talk to the stuffamals. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing that could happen. She she was in her own world there, but she didn't have any electricity and she couldn't get her son to come and visit because so when you've got all your research together, you've done all this research, how do you then pick the bits to be creative with that you want? Well, I was lucky because I was working with Michael, so it helps when you're doing two things. I, I, I also, it's a, um, I wasn't writing it on my own. Mm. It was part of a company. So we can do readings, um, drafts, have the benefit of a company behind you that's saying, oh, that's really good. I don't understand that bit. Let's mm -hmm. do this. Let's do a bit of that. So it's a long process. And, mm -hmm. um, sometimes you can't remember how it happened, really. Did you do any but, devising? Yes. Yeah. Michael and I did. Yeah. And definitely this key bit where she's going through um, this part, trying to throw things away because she's been to a group and she just wants to start small and then ends up not throwing anything away because she's got a reason to keep everything mm. um uh, we just we just did i just improvised and we recorded and we sort of did it word for word after that i've still got that you know the one that That's you did brilliant. in the um when we where did we go uh millennium point wasn't it or the midland hotel was it i can't oh i can't remember where we went there anyway wherever we went that I've I've got that, so I can send you the link to that. I think that's key. That is, I think. Anything I think perhaps, do, do, do you think we could somehow tie it in? You know, like when we put in um, what's its interview? You know, uh, the psychologist in the neurologist interview. If I send you a link to the what what Janice is talking about they just did yeah. a, a like a little bit and then we had a couple of talking heads attached to oh, it right, okay. I can send you that as well if you want to post that with the podcast yeah. yeah I definitely think there's a link with creativity and keeping too much stuff um, well, I think there is because you one of the things that I was quite fascinated by is um a woman called Barbara Sher, and she talks about and I've probably said this before sorry Heather but um it's about divers and scanners and divers work very much in a straightforward way they know what they're going to go for whereas scanners pick up all sorts of projects and they've always got more than five or six projects on the go at any one time which means they've got a lot of stuff you know um, and it's about the the benefits of being a scanner and perhaps even it would be good at some point to talk about the benefits of hoarding there are benefits. You know, I think I think we should. I think there are massive benefits. It's there like benefits. my partner said to me, Steve said to me, he said, in, in a tribe scenario, mm. the hoarder is going to be like the local shop. You know, that everybody's going to go to them because they'll have it. And it's only when it, it, it sort of gets wrong placed, I suppose. And that's why 
sometimes if you can help to fit somebody back into a purpose in life. So one of, one of the best ones of these, that I, I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but I probably have because I, I talk about this a lot. It, was, mm. it wasn't one of my clients. It was told to me, but it was a bloke who lived in a high rise, hoarded building materials, but they were mostly railway sleepers. And the social workers went round and sort of, you know, you can't, and the fire service obviously were not happy mm. because it was, um, this was in the seventies, this happened, but because it was a massive fire risk, you know, if there was a fire, that that flat would have burnt forever because there was tons of wood in Timber. there that got yeah. treated with arsenic as well. So it's not good. Anyway, so um, he got talking to them and he said, look, I think I know what's happened here. He said, when I was, uh, Little, it was in the war. My dad was fighting the war. I was an only child and, um, and we lived in London. This was in London, he was, still was. And he said, when there was a, a, a bombing raid, after it had finished, my mum used to send me out to find something useful. And she did oh, yeah. it on purpose, because he said, I knew that she didn't want me to be scared of the air raids. And she also wanted me to feel like the man of the house sort of thing. And he mm. said, so I'd trot off, I'd always find something, she'd be really thrilled with it, and that was it. And he said, then, you know, life happens, and I got married, and my wife and I had all these plans for when we retired, which we both did, and then suddenly my wife died. And he said, I think I went back to being the six-year-old me. And he said, I started finding things that were useful. And mm. so he said, I started bringing all this stuff home because it was just left out there and nobody was going to be using it. It just That's seemed right. wicked waste. It's seen the potential in things. Isn't absolutely, it? absolutely. So, and heaven knows how, I mean, sometimes I look at people's homes and I know they've got that stuff in there on their own, you know, mm. with no car. Amazing. Like the amazing. determination is amazing. Anyway, one of the people that, that the social worker knew did, um, had got a charity that made adventure playgrounds for kids and they used railway sleepers. Brilliant. So they said to him, you know, there's this charity, um, would you be amenable to letting them have a couple of these railway sleepers? And he went, they can have them all. Mm. And they said, well, would you like to come and meet them? And then you'll see how they use them. And, and he said, yeah, that would be great. Anyway, the long and short is, he then started working with the charity because, yeah. suddenly he had a reason so he carried on doing what he was doing because he was really good at finding stuff but then he was he was using those skills so the flow was the same but the destination was diverted and it was just such a good story it's finding meaning in the stuff absolutely that's it finding the meaning in the stuff and i also think one of the reasons that people get overwhelmed is because they don't know that they, 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 it's all jumbled up Mm. they know that there's really good stuff in there but they, it's jumbled up and i think i think that's what people need help with to i think um, go through and mm. sort stuff mm. heather's talked about organization and dysfunction yeah. in organization yeah. um, I think that's important. because that's when people go don't throw it away i don't know what's in it yeah i've yeah. got some beautiful stuff and it could be in there and, and anybody would do that, wouldn't they? If somebody oh. came marauding into your house mm. and just went, oh, this has all got to go, look at it, it's in the way. So you would react exactly the same way. You know, there's Don't nothing different going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just people having time to go through stuff. And also we're given, you know, there's so much stuff to to get, isn't there? There's a, 
wasteful society. And if you're a rescuer of stuff, mm. then you, you just bring it home like stray cats. And then... Yeah, no, it's true. And people do... It is a soothing sort of action doing that. And then somebody disturbs that soothing action. Um, and I, I think this is the big the big contradiction that goes on. If somebody who hoards usually is being soothed by keeping that material, either soothing mm. can be in thinking about what good it could do or mm -hmm. thinking about who it reminds them of or thinking how beautiful it is and what nice piece of artwork it might make. And that is a good soothing feeling. And then somebody comes along and that hoard makes them, because they're the outsider, very anxious. And then their anxiety will make them go, just get rid of it. And then that throws the soothed person back into their anxiety. And so you've got two anxious people that are anxious on the opposite end of the scale. And I think once you both those people understand that, they can find a way um, to work together that's reassuring, you know, and that's what that's what you need. It's all right. It's all right to do this and, and we're going to go through it and it's going to be sorted and it's going to be your decision not i think a lot of people have problems with self-soothing um because we're, we're not really necessarily taught how to do it you know it's not something that, that necessarily comes up in in life and childhood no. and then you find ways of like you know I, I would hazard to say that boarding is, is as you say well it's more of a maladaptive um approach to doing it you know, but like it, but it comes from the, the right place. Mm. It comes from your brain trying to keep mm. you safe and not yeah. keep you in this state of anxiety that has caused this reaction in the first place. But then it becomes, that's where the maladaption is. But I think it's, it's very interesting, though, what Dave's saying about we're not taught about soup. No, we're not. In fact, we're taught the opposite. If you think mm. about it, like kids are like... I want some sweets, I want some sweets, and then you get some sweets, and then you think, but but you're only allowed that many. I remember being restricted, it wasn't sweets actually, it was cucumber. When I was little, my mum would only let me eat a bit of cucumber because she said it will give you indigestion. Mm -hmm. And I can remember thinking, when I grow up, when I get bigger, I'm just going to buy a whole cucumber and I'm going to eat it all to myself. And I think it's a bit like that. You know, when you grow up, you can spend your money on what you like and bring it all home. You know, I'm going to go to a royal garden party and I'm going to eat all the cucumber sandwiches. I wonder whether we should also be looking at dance as a soother or play as a soother. Yeah. I think we do use play as kids as soothers. But then when you get older, you go, you can't play anymore. No. I think there are natural soothers that we're not encouraged to, to do, like dancing, singing, playing, making songs up, writing poetry. Yeah. I think writing poetry is a soother, actually. And so is laughing. That's a soothers. Laughing's a soother. That's probably the only one we do allow ourselves sometimes. Yeah. So I think uh, the other yeah. I'm, I'm a self-loathing poet, uh, Janice. I hate it. But I seem to seem to write a lot of it for some Yeah, because you it. need to, because ah, uh, because oh, because I remember when I was about 14 or 15, I used to write about three poems a day, four poems a day, because I needed to, a bit like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's a really important thing. And we should just be doing more of it because it's better than overeating. It's better than drinking. It's better than having a fag, you know, mm. all of the, which I have been known to do all those things. <laughs> um, well, you have to speak from experience, don't you? So yeah. if you didn't do it, you couldn't say. 
so, that's um, what I think. But so, I think the, more creativity, of the soothing, the soothing of creativity. The, the work that you've done with theatre and mental health, um, which you got, um, what did you get? Oh, uh, I always want to say BMX. <laughs> now, it's a British uh, Empire medal with the community theatre for communities, and it was for yeah, yeah. So, a few of my friends were going, Surely, you're not going to accept it. And I said, I am, because yeah. I think very few the, the recognition of a women's community group that uses theatre, there's mm -hmm. a chance that it might get written down somewhere, and there's a chance that in the future somebody will know that this happened, that this went on because women's history in particular, but also small grassroots organizations history disappears. Yeah, So yeah. I'm very happy to, if, if it gives any chance of the status of this kind of work being raised and being taken more seriously, then yes. What was your inspiration for doing the work? Um, generally, you mean, or particularly? Yeah, just, just generally, yeah. It's, it's the combination of theatre and arts mm. and, and making ordinary people's lives central to stories, people that are not seen as the natural hero heroines or heroes, mm. giving the, un you know, putting people, putting ordinary people centre stage and listening to them and um, celebrating those lives and that humour and the way that people talk, the small stories, not the big show-off celebrity tales. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that's been a problem for quite a time with, um, just with history in general. Yes. You know, it's all yes. kings and of you don't... Course, what happened to people like us? <laughs> well, well, I was probably on the big queens farm. and dukes uh -huh. and duchesses. It's so... Thinking about it, if we go back far enough, the kings and people like that would have been the people hoarding stuff, right? Yeah, they were. And the hoarders. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit in um, the play where I'm saying at the group, things going around, that she'd been to, um, oh, what's that big place where, where the, the Mitford girls live? Not sure. Where's Mitford, she's got a place in Derbyshire. It's massive. Mm. It's absolutely packed or full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they pinch with the people. She's got about 32, and I mean 32, massive, full-sized marble lions. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. No 31's not enough, is it, really? No. <laughs> I, they are total hoarders, those people, taking mm. stuff. Yeah. I mean, vaguely speaking, I, my stuff is is books, and and but then the problem is and robotic arms and robotic arms, <laughs> because um, there's so many, it's difficult to know where to start with with books. So I've got a book out there in the the hallway called The Property Species, which is about how we have this tendency to to want artifacts and to. And when we were doing the uh, hunter-gatherer thing, we couldn't really do it because you can only travel with so much stuff. That's right, but now no. we can have it. And as soon as you settle, you do your farming thing, you settle down and you start to build yes. towns and villages and that's, that's when you start to gather more stuff and that's when material stuff shows your status. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, 
I think books are very interesting because it's very difficult to get rid of them, isn't it? But I am yeah. to go, are you really going to read this? I think there has to be an honesty around it because then you can start to see the books you do like. I think you, the, you used to first, what was that word? Oh, honesty? What, what's that word? What's that? That scary that? word. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we have to be honest with ourselves and go, you know, yeah. to do anything with it. But however, the book next to it, which you haven't seen, because that book's in the way of it, that's the book you really do, you will have a relationship again. Mm. No, it's funny. I mean, it's interesting because so many people who don't have hoarding issues, but have a lot of books, have that connection to their books. And it was about three years ago, I think Marie Kondo, yeah. the um, mm. Japanese girl, that, that the Japanese millionaireess, shall we say, mm. Who, um, who wrote this book about the secret art of tidying. Um, she had put out a tweet saying, nobody needs more than 30 books in their life. And there was absolute <laughs> uproar. If you ever wanted to sort of start a Twitter storm, that's that what it. it. Yeah. I think she was yeah. quite surprised at the backlash from Joe Public. It was like, what? What's she talking about? How does she, how, how she doesn't know? You know, and so, yeah, yeah it, there's a nerve touched with books. People Marie Conman. <laughs> That's right. Well, her days are numbered because she, she's a sort of minimalist. We're going to go busy. Yeah, 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 she's had it. She's had it. She's had it. <laughs> Now, my dears, I might have to go and have some. Right. Yes, no, we've got to really go talking to you. So I think it's an endlessly fascinating human condition. Condition. Yeah. And we've all we all know about it. We've all drawn to it. Yeah, it's fascinating. So I think it should be it should be fair for you now because you're doing a tour, aren't you? This year, is that right? Of what tour of what? I'm always doing something. What do you think? You're not I'm doing a tour of, of um, that that person that you pretend to be. This is Barbara Nice. Barbara's yes. in the Nice is in the biscuit. Yes. I'm always doing something with that lady. Oh yeah. Why here? I sat through. I don't normally watch um, because I'm a snob. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think I was on to something when I made my character instead of a little bit of a snob, actually. Uh, but I watched Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. And I had to keep reminding myself that I was going to be talking to you as Janice. <laughs> I just, in my head, I'm going, Janice, 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 not Barbara Nice, Janice, Janice, Janice. Uh, so that was. Uh, yeah. yeah. Are you doing Christmas this year? I'll be doing Christmas at Mac, yeah. Brilliant. And the Mostly Folk and Arts Festivals. That was really lovely, performing outdoors mm. and stuff. I think people are slightly cautious about coming back. Yes, I know. Steve went to... Um, he went to Symphony Hall last week, and he mm. said I wasn't... I was really uncomfortable. I went to see Grace and Perry talk, and he said it was uncomfortable. It's difficult. Anyway, anyway yes. thank you for your time, Janice. I to you, and I talked to you to the cows come home about this subject because it's it's movies, but it's about who we are. It's about being mm. human. About being it is. It is. It is. And uh, let's start. Let's start our exaggerated movement. <laughs> yes, let's start our exaggerated movement. Why are we going right, to get, the, gonna get the, the lions from though? Well, oh yeah, if we'll get them from her place. Yeah, just nick them. Just nick them. They're very heavy marble lions.